Take your Bibles, if you would, and let's go to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. While you are turning there, let me say what an encouragement it is to us to be here tonight. And I have my family with me. My wife is back there with Travis on one side and Jude on the other. And our son Eli is down here on the front row in the splash zone, as I've heard that it's called. Uh, And then our daughter, Gracelyn, is currently developing some sort of gang in the nursery. I will guarantee that is what she's doing. We had three boys, and then God gave us a girl. And uh, you think, well, she's just a sweet thing, you know, and she's walking around here like she was in charge of the place. Uh, she's actually very mean. I mean, you've got to watch out for her. She'll get after you. So her brothers know that anyway. But, no, she's, uh, she's wonderful, and we're very thankful for what God has given to us, and we are encouraged to be here. We got to be at your youth conference two weeks ago, and uh, that's why as I was walking around a few moments ago, I got to talk to several folks that uh, I had already met uh, or at, at least had seen. And let me for a moment, if I can, let me, let me compliment your church because uh, you all will maybe know that, uh, some of you know anyway, that we do a similar event in the month of February, first Friday and Saturday of February, very much like what you all did. And immediately when we drove up, it was obvious that this thing was going to be done right. You had people greeting in the parking lot. Uh, you, had, uh, you had everybody just so organized and I was writing down ideas, Pastor. I mean, it was, it was helpful to me. And then how many of you got to be there? Raise your hand if you got to be there. Um, that's awesome, okay? How many of you just cannot believe uh, how, um, well, how, do, how do I say this, how powerful that preaching was? And uh, I know that the Lord worked in our youth group. We, bought, we brought just a bunch of guys, uh, and we didn't bring any of our ladies but uh, we had a good time, and I want to thank you again for that. I want to thank the church for that because that is just unbelievable uh, what you all did to be able to go through all of the effort and work and organization that it takes to do something like that. Uh, that is something that uh, we did not take lightly, and I know the other groups that were there did not as well. And it's going to grow, by the way. When you do something well and you do something like that that is impactful and the preaching just life-changing, uh, I guarantee you it's, it's going to grow. And so just pray, stay involved. Uh, and then Pastor was telling me about your plans. And I don't, know if, I don't know if he tells you all of his plans or not, so I'm not going to rehash those or not. Uh, but, uh, but he was talking about all the things God's doing in your church. And may I just say again how encouraging that is because sometimes uh, you get Elijah syndrome. Anybody know what Elijah syndrome is? You know, I, even I, am only left. I'm the only one. And uh, I appreciate men like uh, your pastor and his family and this church. And for you all to be here on a Thursday night uh, on such a freezing cold evening as it has been, um, I, uh, I am so grateful that you'd come. And I got to go, go online and check out the preaching from last week. And if you think that this week's going to be anything uh, as good as what you heard last week, you're going to be dramatically underwhelmed, okay? But the good thing is, is we've got the Word of God, and the Word of God's always good. And so that's what we rest on. Let's open the Bible and stand together. Second Chronicles chapter 20. I was given permission, Brother John, before you come up here and get mad at me, to take my jacket off while I preach. Especially, oh, you're going to take yours off now. Okay, there you go. Awesome. Isn't Brother John just the man? I mean, I have, I, what, we, we met for the first time, right, Brother John? We met for the first time at the youth conference, correct? Yes. Yes. You, you we, act, met, we met at the fellowship, but that was the first time we really got to speak. That, yeah, that's right, because I met you and your pastor that, at that fellowship. But that's the first time, and man, I feel like this is a brother from another mother right here, man. 
I mean, immediately we just clicked, and and um, I don't know if it's it's probably good we're not sitting next to each other tonight. So, all right, let's look in First Second Chronicles. Excuse me, Second Chronicles chapter twenty, verse one. The Bible says it came to pass after this also that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon, and with them other beside the Ammonites, came against Jehoshaphat to battle. So here you have Jehoshaphat is the king. You have the people of Judah. And all of these kingdoms are now ganging up on little old Israel once again. And the Bible says in verse 2 that they came to Jehoshaphat saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side of Syria. And behold, they be in Hazazon Tamar, which is in Gedi. Now notice verse 3. And this is, boy, this is such a key verse to the chapter. But thankfully it's not the text. It's not the context of the, of the scripture because if we end it here, then we would probably all just say, Well, that's a, that's a terrible story. But the first phrase, it says, and Jehoshaphat feared. May I say this? And I may have even heard this statement at your youth conference. I know I didn't, it, it's not uh, original with me. But fear is the instinct of the flesh. Fear is the instinct of the flesh. It is natural to fear. Uh, I, I, I'm just saying tonight, we, we live in a world filled with people who are consumed with fear. And Jehoshaphat was no different because fear is the instinct of the flesh. But notice this. Here's the instinct of the spirit, what comes next in verse 3. He not only feared, but then look what he did. He set himself to seek the Lord. That's, that's the key, isn't it? He set himself to seek the Lord. And notice this. He proclaims a fast throughout all Judah. Now, if Jehoshaphat was a Baptist, and he probably was, you know things had to be really serious for him to proclaim a fast. But things were serious. I love what your theme is for this. I don't know if this is just for, your, for the month, Pastor, but go, give, and get down. When I saw get down, I thought different than, what, than prayer. I'm not alone. Yeah. I thought, are we going to get down tonight? This is going to be great. But I'm going to tell you this. This is great. Our, the theme of our church this year, we do a theme every year, just something that we do, and, and you don't have to do it the way we do it. But we pick a theme, we present it at the end of January, 1st of February, and live with it for the rest of the year and just try to learn from it. And this year's just one word. It is pray. Pray. Brother Pope preached so powerfully on prayer. And in this context, or this text of Scripture, rather, you're going to see a prayer that has absolutely transformed my life. And I mean that. He proclaims this fast. And he gathers everyone together, verse 5, and he begins to pray. Let's read the prayer that Jehoshaphat prayed. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court and said, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might so that none is able to withstand thee? Art not thou our God? Who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel and gavest it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend, forever? And they dwelt therein and have built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying, If when evil cometh upon us as the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. And now behold, the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say, 
how, how they reward us to come and to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given to us to inherit. Oh, our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have, notice this, we have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. Let's pray together. Father, help us tonight. Help us to hear from you. Lord, if these people came to hear from me, their time is wasted. But if they hear from you, uh, from you Lord, then I believe that there can be eternal gain from this meeting tonight. Thank you for a committed church. Thank you for a pastor who's serving the Lord with his family and alongside his family. Thank you for those who have come alongside and have decided to serve the Lord in this place. Lord, I pray that what is said tonight will be of help to your people in this place and in this hour. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name we ask. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want, to, want you to know a little bit before I get into this just how special it is for me anytime I get the opportunity to open the Word of God and go to Second Chronicles chapter 20. Now, before I go on, I want to ask this, and, and maybe you just raise your hand, and that'll be the indicator. But how many of you have a life's verse? You have a life's verse, something like that, something that encourages you. My life's verse, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. You probably know that. It's something that my mother had at the end of the hallway, and it was embroidered on, on, a, on a piece of fabric that was in a frame. And as a child, I would go and I would read that verse. And there came a time in my life where I began to realize just how much I needed that verse. And I, I embraced that. And if I ever sign a Bible or something like that, I, I always write that underneath there, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, because that is what God has used to help me. But, but this is not my life's verse. I, I would have to say it's my life's chapter. It's my, it's my anchor passage. It's the passage of Scripture that God has used time and time again and God didn't give this to me in recent years. Matter of fact, I think I was a sophomore, uh, perhaps a junior in college. So I was a young man. I was in college, and God began to work in my life about some things. And I, I began to ask the Lord that he would give me something from his word. One of the things Brother Pope said two weeks ago, and, and this ought to tell you, by the way, if I quote uh, the preachers from two weeks ago again and again, that just tells you how much that meeting meant to me because God really did a lot in my life through, through that meeting. So thank you again for that. But he said God has three green lights, and the first one that he gave is a principle from Scripture that God uses for you in your situation, in your hour of need. And God gave me this passage of Scripture, and he taught me a lot of things. And ever since I became the pastor of Faithway Baptist Church seven years ago, they took a chance on a young 25-year-old man to be their pastor. Uh, and, and that's why I feel so very connected, I think, to your pastor, because you've done the same thing. And thank you for that. Thank you for that trust. Thank you for that opportunity. But ever since I've become the pastor, I have tried every year of my pastorate to preach from this text. You say, what do you do? Do you go get the old notes out and pull them out and preach the same sermon? No, I go back to it. I put the notes away, and I look at it, and I ask God to give me something again from this, my anchor passage. And this is what God gave to me just a few weeks ago when I began to prepare this sermon, this passage for my church. I want to share it with you again tonight. The scene is set. Jehoshaphat is the king. He has this human instinct in him. As soon as he hears the bad news, all of a sudden... 
Things are about to go south. Things are about to go crazy. He gets the bad news and he says, here, I've got to do something. He becomes very afraid, but then he says, I'm going to set myself to seek the Lord. And he bows on his knee and he asks God to do something. I want to say this tonight, that, that it's, it's, it's possible, it's even likely that in a group of people this size, that at some point, maybe for, for me, I would say once a year or so, I get to a place where I say, wow, I wasn't expecting that. I don't know what to do, Lord. Aren't you thankful for the word of God that says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth to all men liberally and upbraideth not, and it shall be given to him. And boy, that's such an encouraging passage as well. But Jehoshaphat, he really had a bad deal going on. He gets the news that three kingdoms, Moab, Ammon, and Mount Seir, they're all converging. They've formed this alliance. They're coming down so that they can take out the people of Judah and destroy the kingdom, no doubt take it for their own, no doubt take of the spoils of the battle, and defeat what they consider to be their enemy, the king, Jehoshaphat. In those days, it wasn't like Facebook. If it had been like it was now, like it is now, he'd have known about it months in advance because we just can't keep our mouths shut on Facebook for some reason. But he got this message, and, and the way that it worked in those days is, is a runner would run, and I mean, he would run just as fast as he could, but he probably found out about this and, and said, I've got to hurry. So when he gets there, uh, there's probably only three or four days left, and they're going to be here. You've, you don't have very long, Jehoshaphat. They're coming. They're going to take everything. They're going to kill everyone they can. You've got to get ready. You have got to do something. And Jehoshaphat experiences a moment in his life where just like that, the bad news changes everything. Just today, my wife and I got a text of some folks who, uh, they live down in Florida, but they have family in our church. And they actually, when I was a child, I, I get, by the way, I get to pastor my home church. And uh, my uh, parents are in ministry with me and they serve at our church. And then my grandfather actually started the church there and so every week of my life, I go to church with four generations of my own family. It's such an honor. And I get to pastor my family. And, and I get the question everywhere I go. They say, what's it like to pastor your family? I always give the same answer. It's great. The therapy is what's expensive, but it is great. We, we have to work things out every once in a while in a good old family uh, dispute, but we try to keep it behind closed doors. Amen. And, uh, and, and I can just imagine what this family that, that I'm about to tell you about is going through today because they were visiting with us here about a month ago and they have family in our church. And uh, the young man who is my age right now, today, in ICU, as far as I know, still still alive, but his heart stopped twice today. Four weeks ago was healthy and in our church. Just like that, everything can change. Got a phone call today from a lady in our church. And said, hey, I just want you to know that my husband's going to the emergency room. Started having chest pains and they want to immediately do a heart cath. And we don't know what's going to happen. Would you please pray and would you please visit with him? And first thing in the morning, he's going to have that heart cath before he goes in. Lord willing, I'll get there and I'll pray with him. You know, we just never know when our lives are going to be changed forever. I want to remind you, the word of God says, be not soon shaken. Two years ago, a year and a half ago, all of a sudden we heard that something was coming and immediately the, the entire world became frozen with fear. I'm not discounting. Matter of fact, the young man who's fighting for his life right now, it's as a result of that disease. It's as a result of what the world has experienced over the last year and a half. I'm not making light 
nor am I denying its, its existence. But I tell you what, we learned a lot about fear in the last year and a half, didn't we? You know, I find that when we experience moments of fear in our life, that the best thing that can happen to us is what happened to Jehoshaphat. And that is that we come to a place of recognition. Most of the time, we have a problem. We experience something. We have a trauma. I work with a lot of police officers. I get to be a chaplain for some law enforcement in our area. And we try to minister to the, the law enforcement in our area. I know that you've got military in this area. It would be the same, some of the same. A lot of them experience and work through trauma on a regular basis. And sometimes when we go through that, our mind is in that fog. You know, we're trying to work our way through things. And that bad news has hit us. But, you know, in every case, it, it seems like for the Christian that the moment we start climbing out of the fog, out of the valley, is the moment we begin to recognize some things. For instance, did you know that God has not given you anything that he cannot handle? Notice I didn't say that he hasn't given you anything you can't handle. Because the Bible says, Paul himself said, we were stretched above and beyond measure. That means it was beyond what he could handle. It, It was so far beyond that, but then he said this, my God is the God of all comfort. You know why God wants us sometimes to go through valleys and through hardships and through difficulties and through fearful moments in our life? It's so that we can recognize what Jehoshaphat recognized. I want to talk to you for just a few minutes tonight on the recognition that Jehoshaphat had. What did he see? What made the difference in him? You're in the battle. You're in the, you're in the heat of the battle, and you have to come to a place where your head is clear, your focus is on the right thing, your thoughts are organized, and for the believer, let's just go ahead and establish this tonight, where we organize our thoughts and clear our minds and get ourselves back on the right track, mentally, spiritually, so to speak, if you would, is always in the place of prayer. You say, well, I don't know what, what to do. Have you prayed yet? You say, well, I've got to figure this out if I pray. By the way, do you know that prayer is ultimate self-denial? Because you know know what he could have done. He he could have said, well, we've got to go count the troops and see how many we have. We've got to make sure we've got enough horses for them to ride. And let's see if the chariots are ready. And and, and what does the armory look like? Do we have all of our spears and swords? And and he could have said, boy, my, my administrative responsibilities as the king of Judah have overtaken me. I don't have time to pray. But you know, prayer is the ultimate in self-denial. It's a place where you say, I could be doing this, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to get down on my knee. I'm going to get down before the Lord. And I'm going to humble myself before God, and I'm going to ask for what only he can give. Here's what he recognized. Are you ready for this tonight? The first thing he recognized in his prayer is he recognized God's power. Now, this is simple to see, but let's look at verse 6 together. Are you there this evening? You're doing great tonight. By the way, the young people sitting down right here, these are my people, okay? Teenagers, I, I feel like I'm more on your level than I am anyone else's level. And you know that's because we're all smarter than them, right? Okay, they're all asleep. Forget it. We'll move on. <laughs> Verse number six. They're like, are we allowed to answer that? Here we go. The Bible says this. He's praying, and he begins to pray, and he says this, Lord God our, of our fathers, Art not thou God in heaven, and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thy hand is there not, what's that word there? Say it with me, power. In thy hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee. The first thing that you've got to realize when you're going through that situation that you can't handle is that God is the God of all power. 
I'm reminded when Jesus rose again and he stood before his disciples and the first thing he said to them before he gave them that great commission, do you remember what it was? He said, all power is given unto me, both in heaven and in earth. Psalm 113 verses 4 through 8 says, the Lord is high above all nations, his glory high above the heavens. Who is like unto the Lord our God, who dwelleth on high, who humbleth himself to behold the things that are in heaven and in the earth? He raiseth up the poor out of the dust and lifteth the needy out of the dunghill, that he might set him with princes, even the princes of his people. We've got to remind ourselves tonight that we serve an omnipotent, all-powerful God. The Bible says his arm is not shortened, his hand is not shortened, that it cannot save. God, God's strength is not diminished. 2020 and 2021 have done nothing to diminish the power of God. And while man thinks he's getting more and more powerful, and man thinks he's getting more and more advanced, and man thinks he doesn't need God to the point he'll deny there even is a God. By the way, the world got there at one point already, and the Bible says God confounded the language of man. Don't think he cannot confound man once again. We serve an all-powerful God. We need to get a grip on the reality of the power of God. But the power of God is an amazing thing because it talks about what he is capable of doing. I like that chorus that says, he's able, he's able, I know he's able, I know my Lord is able to what? Carry me through. Hey, my God is able because He is omnipotent, because He's all-powerful. He can do all things. There's nothing that my God cannot do. Let me just say, secondly, verse number 7, not only do we speak to the power of God, but He had recognition also of the pattern of God. Now, the power of God, I would say this applies to our present condition. God is able right now to do in you, through you, and for you whatever he wills. That's our God. But we don't just serve a God who's capable and powerful now. He's always been powerful. He recognized the power of God, but then he recognized the, the pattern of God. And that's found in verse 7. He begins to remind God of some things. He says, Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel? And gavest it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend, forever. Not only is God able now, but we know he is able now because of what he has done in the past. Now, this is an exciting thought because Jehoshaphat was starting to learn something about prayer. You know, one of the best things about prayer is telling God how wonderful he is. Sometimes we skip right to the grocery list, don't we? Sometimes we skip right to the to the to-do list. We say, God, we need this today, and here's my problem here, and here's my... Did you know God knows about your problems before you even have them? Before you even tell him. As a matter of fact, Jesus was the one that say, said that. He said he knows about those things before you even say it. God knows about that. But we need to remind God, not because he doesn't know, but because he loves to hear us about his pattern. And you know, God has had a pattern in, in, uh, in Scripture of delivering his people, hasn't he? Hey, just in case you were starting to think that God was just going to leave us, you know, hung out there to dry, God has never forsaken his people. That's the kind of God we serve. 
We can know about the God that we serve because we have his word. And Jehoshaphat had the word of God passed down to him. Generation and generation prior, they would pass the word down. Uh, he, He said this, he said, Lord, you're the same God that drove out the inhabitants of the land before our people. And you gave it to the seed of Abraham. He was reminding God about all that he had done before. And let me say this, not only do we have the pattern of God in scripture, but we ought to have the pattern of God in our own lives. We ought to be able to look, look back and say, God, you've done this before me before. I have no reason to doubt you now. Hey, let me ask you this. Has God brought a wayward child back to him before? Yes, he has. Can he do it again? Yes, he can. Hey, has God provided a table in the wilderness? Yes, he has. Can he do it again? Yes, he can. Has God delivered his children from bondage before? Absolutely, yes, he has. Can he do it again? We know the answer, don't we? Has God sent revival to a nation before? Can he do it again? You know, God has a pattern of when it gets darker and darker and darker breaking through. I don't know why that is, but it seems like in the darkest of moments, God can break through. Has God convicted a sinner of his lost condition, drawn that sinner close to himself? Yes, he has. Has God miraculously healed? Yes, he has. Has God revealed his will to his children? Yes, he has. These are all things God has done before. And guess what? He can do them again. That's prayer. Recognizing what God has done in the past is possible today. The power of God deals with what he can do. The pattern of God deals with what he has done. And normally we'd say past, present, and future. But this one's present, past. And the next one is this in verse 8. He recognized the promise of God. Notice this. He says, They dwelt therein and built thee a sanctuary therein for thy name, saying... Verse 9, if when evil cometh upon us as the sword, judgment or pestilence or famine, we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. How many of you know what, what he's referring to here? This is, this is awesome. Oh, I'm sorry. I, I, it was a rhetorical question. But yeah, we, if you know it, that's great. If you remember when Solomon stood before the temple, you remember that? And you remember when they stood there and Solomon asked questions of the people and the people answered in the affirmative. This is in reference, exactly in reference to what happened in those days. And what it was was this. They had agreed and God had given them, as we know, by the, by the consuming of the fire and, and all of that, God had given them his promise that if they were to ever stray from God and go away from God, that God would judge them. By the way, God will chasten his children. And no chastening seemeth present in the moment. But it works in us a far greater work of glory in our lives, the Bible says. And so God always deals with his people. And they knew that because it had been told from generation to generation. But there was something even better than that. They said, not only will God judge his people, but if when under judgment and under the hand of bondage, if in that moment, God's people stop looking around and stop fighting with one another and stop uh, rejecting God and, and stop living in wickedness if when that happens they will look to God and say, God, we have sinned. Deliver this, thy people. Guess what happens? If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. 
Now, just because that was a promise to Israel doesn't mean that God will not do that for us today. Jehoshaphat said this. He said, we know what you've promised. And God, we're doing exactly what we know our part is in that promise. God says we've got to come to Him. We've got to fast and we've got to mourn and we've got to repent of sin and we've got to come before Him. But he recognized that God in His Word has told us that when we come to God, God comes to us. What does the New Testament say? Draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. Psalm 50, 25, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver thee and thou shalt glorify me. If we were to structure our prayer life, this might be a way to do it. We ought to base our understanding of God and our understanding of our prayer time on the fact that that God is an all-powerful God. That was what Jehoshaphat recognized. And that God's pattern is he loves to deliver His people. And His promise is, is that we will come to Him humbly. Humble yourself in the sight of God and He will lift you up. When we humble ourselves before God, God delivers us from those things that are overwhelming us. You know, William Carey said, the future is as bright as the promises of God. So I like this because, because these are good things to, to, to acknowledge that God has all power. He has a pattern of doing good things for His children. He has promised us some things in His Word. But there's another thing in this passage of Scripture that Jehoshaphat recognized that helped him. And he, he articulated, he, he verbalized it, he said it out loud before the people and before the Lord. He not only recognized that God was powerful, that God has a, had a pattern, and that God had made some promises to them, but he also recognized God had a plan. Notice verse 10. This is amazing. When I saw this, this, is, this, by the way, is the 2021 version of 2 Chronicles 20 for Stephen Russ, okay? I had never seen this before. But he says in verse 10, he says, Now behold, here's where he's about to ask God. He, he had spent time buttering God up, telling him how wonderful he was. But now he's going to get to the crux of the matter. And he says, Now behold, God, this is what I came to talk to you about. The children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir. Notice the next phrase. Whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. Huh. Matter of fact, if you read the scripture and even the rest of the verse there, God said, don't bother them, just just go on. The Moabites, the Ammonites, and the people of Mount Seir. Don't worry about them. Uh, they're, not, they're not going to be part of the land that I clean out for you. They're, they're enemies along the way. Hey, don't worry about that. And Jehoshaphat comes to God and says, Hey, God, uh, Jehovah, I, I want to be respectful. I didn't mean, hey, God, okay? But, but Lord God, Jehovah, he said, These are the countries that you wouldn't let us touch. These are the countries, these are the, the people that you wouldn't let us defeat. Now, bear with me for a moment. I wonder if God, in His omnipotence, recognizes that He has the power to take care of everything that was going to come into the lives of these people. But not only do we have an omnipotent God, we have an omniscient God as well. See, what does that mean? He's all-knowing. He's not only all-powerful, He's all-knowing. 
And in God's foreknowledge, he knew that there was going to come a day where those people were going to come down against Jehoshaphat. And the way that I see this for me is, is that God waited to let them deal with those people so that they wouldn't just have the history of their people to look at, but they'd be able to see what God could do in their day. So he recognized God had a plan. God had a plan. So, well, why would God allow that in my life? Maybe God allows things in our life to prove to us that he's all-powerful, that he has a habit of helping and loving and delivering his people, that he is a God who has made many great and precious promises. And young people who are right down here, okay, maybe you've heard about how God has done great things for your parents or your pastor or some hero of the faith, but has God ever done something for you? There's an old song that says, Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. One of the lines of the verses says this, If I'd never had a problem, I wouldn't know what, that he could solve them. I wouldn't know what faith in God could do. Isn't it amazing when problems come into our life, Pastor, we automatically get upset and defensive? And yet God says, How would you know my goodness were it not for the contrast of the problems of the world? How would you know that I can deliver if I can't deliver you? You say, well, I'm glad God delivered Moses. I'm glad God delivered the people of Israel. I'm glad God's done something for brother so-and-so. And I saw that one person make a decision for the Lord at youth conference. I'm glad for them. But what about you? Let me just tell you something. God has a plan. And God doesn't always deal with things on our timeline. Matter of fact, let me say this. We are constrained by that which God controls. You say, what are you talking about? That sounds weird. We are constrained by that which God controls. Here, here's, here's what it is. We are constrained by time. Okay? I was told that I don't need to look at the clock tonight. The clock in the back doesn't work. I was told you're not, you're not worried about the clock tonight. And, uh, and amen, I'm glad to hear it. I'm glad to hear it. The, the pastor wasn't just pulling my leg when he said that, okay? But, you know, in reality, if, if we got going a little bit too long, well, you know, I, I know of, of at least four children who would probably start to become a problem, okay? <laughs> We'd probably be constrained by that. Not only that, we're, we're constrained by space. We're constrained by time, and we're constrained by space, right? And, and, and if we wanted to put 500 people in this little room right here, well, that wouldn't be a good idea, would it, okay? We're constrained by that. Did you know that God controls that which constrains us? Matter of fact, he doesn't just control it. He transcends it. He transcends it. God is transcendent. He's not limited by time or space, time, space, or matter. None of those things limit God. And sometimes when we say, God, you could have done that, you could have done that back in that day. He didn't do it back in that day. Oh, oh, by the way, doesn't that sound a lot like a story from the New Testament? Hey, if you'd have been here four days ago, you could have healed him. Lazarus wouldn't be dead. Hey, Lord, if you'd have been here, but now he's dead. Hey, roll the stone away. Oh, don't do that. He stinketh. One of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. He stink- it's the life's verse of the nursery worker. I don't know why that is. Well, no, it's not going to work, God. But, but, you know, we are constrained by that which God controls. What limits us does not limit God. And sometimes that phone call, that situation, that difficulty, we need to recognize God didn't make a mistake. 
No, his foreknowledge. His foreknowledge determined that we, as, as his beloved children, that's what the New Testament calls us, are called to walk through some valleys so that through our testimony, others can be helped. There's another recognition here. He certainly recognized the powerlessness of man. He recognized the power, the pattern, the promise, and the plan of God. But then he recognized how just inadequate man is. And this is, this is what, where it all comes together. So I want you to see this. We're going to walk down through the rest of the chapter and be done tonight. Verse 12. O oh, our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company. We have no might against this great company that cometh against us. Neither know we what to do. God, I'm not strong enough, and I'm not smart enough. God, I can't fix this. I don't even know how to start. So, Lord, I'm leaving this so utterly and completely in your hand that if this problem gets taken care of, it'll be all you. I love what happens next. The Bible says that the Spirit of God comes upon a man in the congregation. This is what God used to get a hold of my heart. He spoke up and he said, Hey, listen up. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. That was a problem for me. I, I like to fix things. I like to troubleshoot. I like to, when, when problems come up, I like to start thinking, okay, I, I got to start thinking ahead. And, and as a pastor, we, you know, we got a lot of practice in that the last couple of years. And it was almost like every time we thought ahead, God said, no, no, it's not going to work either. Oh, no, that's not going to work either. And, and I like to fix things. I like to come up with the solutions. And I like to be able to say, wow, man, yeah, we really, we really owned that day, didn't we? But sometimes we have to recognize that there's some battles we're not allowed to fight in. It's hard for us. It's hard for us because I want to do something. I hate, I hate the word quarantine. I thought I'd get a better agreement there. Oh, man. You notice I haven't even said the other word. Don't say it. No, don't do it. Don't do it. But we get to a place where it says we have no might. We have no power. Uh, we have no strength. And the, and the man of God spoke up and he said, don't worry. You're not even going to have to fight in the battle. And then he said this, this is a preacher's dream, three-point outline. Set yourself, stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord. Perfect outline right there in Scripture. Hey, set yourself, don't move. Hey, don't be, don't be afraid of everything that's coming. Uh, the Bible says not to waver, uh, not to be double-minded. He that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven of the wind and tossed. And let not that man think he shall receive anything of the Lord. No, no, no. Set yourself. You stand on the promises of God. You stand in the might of His power. You understand that God has a pattern of delivering His people. You realize, I may be nothing, but my God is everything. And I'm not moving. And then you sit still, and you watch God do His work. I love what He did because He said, Okay, look, tomorrow God's going to do this. Tomorrow. I, I thought, boy, I thought He would just snap His fingers and it all go away. But Jehoshaphat in verse 18, He bows His head with His face to the ground and everybody else joins Him with that. And you know the next thing He does? He doesn't say, Okay, well, just in case, let's make sure we have the army ready. Just in case, let's have plan B. You know what He did? He said, Hey, um, where, where's, uh, where are the musicians? Where's that piano player? Where's the, where's the harp player? Uh, by the way, where, where, where is the big choir? And they're like, 
right here? Okay, come on, let's start singing songs of victory because we've already won. By the way, that's faith. Is when God says he's going to do something, you believe it and act as if he already has. God's going to take care of things. God's going to do what God is going to do. And they get together, they start singing. The Bible says, when they began to sing in verse 22, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir. And for the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the children of Mount Seir, and they utterly slayed and destroyed them. And then they turned on one another. And when Judah came to the watchtower, they, they, they had to walk out to the battlefield. They said, okay, here we go. Hey, where's your weapons? Don't need weapons. All we need are the trumpets. All we need are the singers. All we need is, all we need is to praise the Lord and to worship God and to, and to be excited about the fact that God has won the victory. And when they got out there and looked out, the Bible says that all they saw were dead corpses. And not only that, these people were so arrogant, they brought all their wealth and riches with them too, and so they got to take all of those back as well. Notice the effect, and this is, this is where it is. The conclusion of the whole thing is from verse 25 down through verse 30. It says, when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance both uh, uh, bo- both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels, which they stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry, and they were there three days in gathering of the spoil. It was so much. Don't you like that phrase? Do you know the Bible says that the blessings of God, uh, God gives them to us and he adds no hurt with them. That's awesome, isn't it? Just when we thought we were gone, God said, here, it's going to take you a while to get all these blessings. I- I'm not preaching a health and wealth. I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel. I'm just telling you that when you have faith in God and when you set yourself and stand still and see God's work, it's going to impact you. They had victory. Verse 27, they had joy. Then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat in the forefront of them to go again to Jerusalem with joy. You can always tell a church, you can always tell a people of joy. There's a buzz. There's a buzz. There's excitement. There's fellowship. I like the effect it had in verse 29. Not only did these people not have a scratch on them, and all they were doing was singing praise to the king, but the Bible says the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they had heard that the Lord fought against the enemies of Israel. Isn't it amazing that God will let his children get so close to the edge of death and destruction only to prove that they were never in any danger at all. And oftentimes the effect of that is a lost world takes notice. And they say, wow. Two years ago we moved from our location, which in talking with your pastor, so many similarities. God was doing great things. People were coming to church. The room was uncomfortably full. The parking lot, people would drive in and leave. We had 60 parking stalls, and we would have 250 people at church. I mean, it was just, it was, it was special, but we were at capacity. We began to look for what God would have for us next, and we thought something like, like what you all are doing, by the way, which is much, much smarter than what I did. <clears throat> uh, we thought that we could go and look and then maybe start raising some money and, and do things a certain way, and, and, you know, maybe three or four years from now, and all of a sudden, it became apparent that there was an opportunity. That opportunity was to move into a building about a mile from us, to take that building, to renovate it. And it had been an old Catholic church, but you can, you can attest that it doesn't look like it was an old Catholic church. It's just, it's just unique. And so through a series of events I won't take the time for tonight, God moved our church by faith, 
by faith to step out. You say, why was it by faith? Well, I'll tell you why it wasn't by faith. We didn't have any money. That's, that's when you know it was by faith. We didn't have any money. You say, well, pastor, were you irresponsible? Did you, did you tell everybody, you know what, we're going to go? No, I'm just telling you, we didn't have any money. May I say it again? We didn't have any money. This opportunity comes up. God just, you know how it is. God begins to impress. God begins to say, this is it. I went to our church and said, look, here's the opportunity. Here's what we could see happen. But we have to know it's the hand of God. And within five minutes after the end of that Sunday morning service where I just briefly mentioned it and said, come back tonight. Enough people in our congregation came to me and said, well, we'll give this much. We'll give this much. After it was all totaled up, over $100,000 had been committed. My first thought was, wow. My second thought was, you had all that money? Oh, my goodness. We didn't have any money, you know. No, it was amazing. It was just people, people said, yes. We went to vote. Oh, I, that's scary. We went to vote. And I said, well, Lord, this is, you know, I think the majority will be for it. I just hope, you know, I remember as a, as a child, one man, one man stopped our church from going forward on something. It was, it was unfortunate. We voted 100% to move to this new location. That's a miracle. God provided. God did all of these things. And you know the effect that it had, and when I read verse 29 where it says the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they'd heard the, that the Lord fought against them. It's funny, people who, will, who won't, won't even go to church, people who, who don't, uh, don't believe in God, but who know our city and know Evansville, Indiana, will come through our building and say, wow, you know, we heard that you all got this and we could not believe it. Do you know what God did? As his people, by faith, stepped out, God began to show others outside that he was good, that he was great. And the final thing was peace. Verse 30, the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet. You know, that's what a king wants. He wants quietness, for his God gave him rest. The only kind of rest that's worth anything is God rest. Rest that comes from God. Do you know... We need to remember some things. If you're going through something right now and it just seems so, so overwhelming in your face, just you can't get past the horror, the pressure. You need to realize that God is all-powerful. That he's had a pattern of dealing with, with impossible situations. The entire existence of mankind. That he's made us some promises that we can rest in. The future is as bright as the promises of God. And that he has had a plan, not based on our timeline, but on his infinite wisdom and omniscience. That if we'd just be willing to say, okay, God, I can't do anything. I have no might. I have no power. I'm not strong enough and I'm not smart enough. But you are, and it's all yours. At that moment of ultimate surrender, the victory is accomplished. And if we would respond to God, how Jehoshaphat responded, what a difference that would make. Would you be willing to respond to God in your hour of need like he did? Father in heaven, we are so, so likely to respond 
with fear, with concern, with anxiety, when we should respond by faith. Father, teach us to recognize your power, your pattern, your promises, and your plan. Teach us, Lord, to rely on you. Teach us, Lord, to have our default setting on faith mode at all times. And teach us to humble ourselves and surrender it all so that you can do all things and get all glory. In Jesus' name.